Hi everybody, this is Patty Negri. Welcome to the Witching Hour, that hour of the day, whenever it is, when the veil is thin and magic happens. I have a great guest for you today. I have author of Pagan Curious, Deborah D'Angelo. And I think this is a brilliant book because so many people are out there like, witchy, pagan, curious. So we're gonna talk to Deborah, but before we do that, where's Patty? As you know, because if I don't tell you, I don't look it up, then I don't know where I am. Um, as far as this week, I am here. Now, this week, Tuesday, the 14th, it's a full moon. Happy full moon. Whenever you're watching this, you're probably close enough to it. So Tuesday, for my class for University Magicus, I am doing a full moon magic class. So things to do on the full moon, magic that you can do, spells that you can do, things to bring into your life on the full moon. So if it isn't past Tuesday already, join me Tuesday. And on Sunday, the 19th, Happy Father's Day to all those fathers out there or wannabe fathers or mothers who like to celebrate Father's Days or those people who never had kids. Happy Father's Day. But for Father's Day, I'm going to do a seance. Yes, I am. A Zoom seance. Very affordable. And I promise you, they are just as connected as if we are sitting around my dining room table. I'm also doing that through my school, which makes it the most affordable at all, University Magicus. So on the 19th, Sunday the 19th, spend Father's Day talking to your beloved dead on the other side, whether father or grandmother or grandpa or your dog. So that is where Patty is. Um, Willow is at my feet. And speaking of Willow, I guess that's what we're going to go into next. The Willow Report. Hi, everybody. Yep. That yawn tells us it is time for the Willow Report. And guess what? This week, see where she's looking? Anywhere but me. This isn't even her avoiding the camera. No, no. She's mad at me. Mama's in the doghouse. Wake up. Mama's in the doghouse. Yes. This past weekend, um, we have a neighborhood party. We live in the hills, and it's this great, very Americana neighborhood. Great big block party, the whole neighborhood. We actually close off my entire street. This barbecue and party and parade is literally in front of my house, and I wasn't home. I was at a gig in Ventura doing a paracon. And my husband, even though he played in the band the first half of the party, he had another gig in Long Beach, so he had to leave early before the famous pet parade. So Willow didn't get to be in the pet parade. She is so mad. She's looking out the window of the front door and watching her best friends, the neighborhood dogs, stop it walking by in front of the house being paraded talked about modeling doing the carpet they had best smile they had best dressed they had best outfit and she sat alone in the house I mean this is almost animal abuse I think I, I, I mean I don't want the government to come take me away but we're gonna make it up for her because she's not gonna talk to me until then I, I'm, I'm thinking she might have to go to puppy therapy I'm not sure not every day is a day of roses. Sometimes work comes first, Willow. You have to understand. She doesn't understand. Next week will be a new week. I think I'll take her out for some puppy ice cream or something. Maybe to the puppy beach, dog beach. Buy her something, new clothes, anything. 
That's the Willow Report. Hi, everybody. This week's magic, we're going to talk about one of my favorites, candle magic. Yep, everybody does it. Everybody loves candles. Candles are easy to get, affordable, and super, super powerful. So candle magic comes in lots of ways. Starting out with birthday candles, probably from the, your one year old, you get a candle, you make a wish, and you blow it out. Probably everybody's first ritual, right? Right. So birthday candles. We have devotional candles in church, in temple. We have devo on our altars, devotional candles. We have decorative candles. And we have spell candles and ritual candles. Now, there's lots of ways to charge and create and make ritual candles. I'm just going to show you my most popular and fun ways to do it. Um, if you're going to do a candle magic, think of colors that you want. And just like chakra colors and magic colors, everything that you're doing, um, pink is usually love. Red is usually passion and sex. Green could be heart or healing. Purple is getting into spirituality. White candles you could use for everything. Black candles remove negativity. But if your truth is slightly different, work with what is true for you or work with what you have. I'm a big believer in that. Money, ooh, golds and greens and things. So if you're getting a candle, Okay, let's say I'm going to do a love or I'm going to do whatever. You could add it to the time of day, like, oh, it's going to be love, so I'll do it on Friday, the day of Venus, or not. It's a full moon. I'm going to do it on the full moon. So if you want to use your candle with a color, do it. And if you don't, do whatever color and say, this is for that. If you get these kind of candles, these seven-day candles are really good because they're safe to keep burning and they don't get wax all over your house unless somebody kicks them over, which I always kick them over. Or you could do the regular carving candles. The one thing that I like to do is when I'm doing a candle is you really have to put your intent in what you're doing. So whether you're carving the candle, so I get my candle out here and you get your little toothpick or actually a ballpoint pen works. You kind of mess up the pen you the ballpoint, but it's cleanable, and you want to carve what you're doing, love, money, you're making sigils like dollar signs or whatever it is, you're writing things on the candle. Now, what if you're using one of these kind of candles? You can't write on the candle. Got a Sharpie? You get yourself an indelible pen, and you're doing the exact same thing. You're writing words or sigils. I do a lot with sigils. We've had sigil classes before. A sigil is where you're taking the letters and words and turning them into like artwork that no one sees. Here is an example of a sigil on a candle. Now, I didn't draw this. I literally printed it on my printer and stuck it on here because it's I don't draw that good. Um, but I could have drawn the same thing with a Sharpie. This says all sorts of magical things that you guys can't specifically read, but they're empowered with it. So you're getting the magic from the sigil that you're creating itself. Um, you could look up spare sigil, or we'll talk about that one. Osmond Osmond Spare created a special where you take all the words and then you turn them into a thing. But you might just want to make hearts and dollar signs. And I like to sign my candle or put my initials on it. So here's my magic. Here's what I'm doing. And then I sign it. Patty, this is my magic candle. I, If you're doing the kind of candle where you set in a jar, you could work with herbs and all sorts of things you're putting into it. If you're working with this kind of candle and you want to add some herbs, you want to add some mugwort, you want to add some things for money, 
put in a little platter under it and put the herbs around the candle. You could also sprinkle some on it. I usually in any kind these any kind of candle, I make a hole, I make a well and I take anything from my dowsing rod and I go deep into it. You're making a well deep into it. And I will pour some of the oils that I'm working with. Love oil, money oil. Ooh, I need a little mint for whatever it is that I'm doing. And you pour it in. When you're charging your wick, again, wicks are magic. You're working with all the elements here. Um, what I do is I oil it and I take with, I say I'm using, again, love oil, money oil, a specific deity oil. I put an oil on my fingers and I stroke it three times up. One, two, three. And the whole way you're putting your wish into it. So no, maybe you've had it drawn. Maybe you wanted to oil it up a little, a common way. Again, with the oil, you are rubbing your wishes. Remember, mind, body, spirit, and spell working is creation, working, dispatch. I'm going to do a love candle. I'm going to do a money. You're rubbing the oil into it before or after the Sharpie or no Sharpie at all. A lot of people use glitter. A lot of people use glitter. There's ways to, to, to do the glitter within the oil because glitter calls in energy. I put a little glitter on the top or a little bit of incense on the top. So you're going to have this real pretty candle. And again, if you're not getting that artsy or some of us stay away from glitter because it gets everywhere, again, you can always set words and letters on a little piece of paper under your candle. Now, the most important part to me in charging a candle, whether you've set your sacred space and now I'm doing this, is you have to put your life force and breath into it. So um, I will charge a candle. I'm like, you know me and my wiggle. I'm charging, I'm charging, I'm charging. And then, what did I just do? Did I spit in my candle? Sort of. I put, not a big spit, but you're literally putting my wishes and my life force right into that candle right there. Remember, your breath is your pneuma. It's your life force. The moisture in your breath is your free will. You've just, I'm putting love, I'm putting love, I'm putting money, whatever it is. You've got it. So again, whether you're charging it and you're holding it up and you go, ah, whatever you're doing, and then you light your candle. Once your candle is lit, a lot of people, you just light it until it goes away. A lot of people don't want to leave a candle burning if they go away. Now, if you have to put it out, that's okay. And actually, there are some spells that I say, burn it twice a day, every day. Or my weight loss candle, it's like you have to light your candle every single time you eat. You can't keep it going because you'd have a million candles going. You snuff it out. You never blow out a magic candle, a ritual candle, or working candle. You snuff it. If you blow it out, it's kind of you've sent the wish off and it's it, the magic is done. Doesn't mean it's not going to work. But if you want to keep relighting it or going, you snuff it out. Looking cool, you either lick your fingers and you go like this, but when it gets low, you can't do that. You use a candle snuffer, of course, or you just literally put something that blocks the oxygen and the candle goes out. That means it is still a working candle. And then when you go back to light it, maybe the next day, or you're doing 10 minutes a day meditation with this spell candle, the wick is hungry to be relit. The wick is hungry to be relit. I could have one candle going for an entire month doing it a morning little ritual or an evening ritual. So remember, it's what you put into it. And you can get beautiful candles. House of Intuition makes beautiful candles, beeswax candles. You can get dollar store candles and everything in the middle. So you can make your own candles if you're real artsy and craftsy. But remember, we're working with all the elements here. The wax is, is the earth element and the fire, fire and air takes together. The moisture again is 
you're breathing into it, you're putting your life force into it. So lots of ways to do it, but these are really simple, really powerful ways. Go do some candle magic, won't you? That's your magic for today. And I have somebody very special today that I'm also looking for to get to know a little bit. I have author and pagan, Deborah D'Angelo. She has a beautiful book out called Pagan Curious. So we're curious. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for coming on. Hi there. Thanks for having me. So yeah, this is beautiful. Um, so I, I love the title of your book because so many people, as you know, witchcraft, you know, we may be decades ahead of it, is making this big come back, so to speak, and this big new awareness, which I think is great for a million reasons. But tell us a little bit about your book and about you and your path and how you got here. Okay. Well, All I, once. No. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of stumbled onto the pagan path later in life um, and just in time, and it, it changed my life. And at that time, um, there weren't there wasn't the internet and there weren't all these wonderful books and there weren't all these people around. There were just the few books that we all read, you know, Silver Raven Wolf and, and uh, Uncle Ray Ray. And um, there just weren't all these resources. And so I learned a little bit at a time, little bit at a time. I ultimately took an online uh, witchcraft course, a three-year course. But it was a lot like just wandering through the fog, trying to find your way. And I remembered what it was like just starting out. And now we have sort of the opposite thing where there's a thousand books on witchcraft and a thousand books on everything. But I noticed that there was a gap for people who aren't even sure if they want to go into studying witchcraft. They aren't, it's like there needed to be pagan preschool for just everyday people to learn the ABCs and one, two, threes. And I, I discovered this um, while doing a tarot workshop with some of my massage clients and some of their friends. And as um, time went on, they started asking about, well, what are those crystals? And what's that symbol you're wearing? And, and you know, why do you say these particular words? And I realized I didn't have anywhere to point them because these weren't people that were necessarily ready to study witchcraft. They're just curious. And I said, I wish I had a book that I could give you to get you started. And one of them said, well, you need to write it. And bingo, that was, that was the cue. And I did write it. And so this book really is intended as a very gentle, welcome to the pagan community it's it's an open door in the foyer and um i i serve as as a guide to to tell you you know this is over here and that's over there and this is what that is but it's in a very non-threatening way that anybody could learn about this community so i just got your book i just got an e-copy of your book so i see you do kind of divide it into different realms literally you have call it the inner realm and the outer realm and the magical realm. So what does that mean for people? I constructed the book sort of organically because you have to really get in touch with yourself to know where you want to go. And sometimes, particularly um, when we have people in our lives that think they know better than we do about what we like and what we're good at and what we're not good at, um, 
our, our own self viewpoint can become contaminated with that. And so the first section is really about clarifying who you really are as a person, not who other people want you to be, not how other people define you, but who are you really deep down inside? And from there, we go through the book and align everything with that so that everything feels really genuine because in mm -hmm. nature, things are genuine. Animals don't pretend, trees don't pretend. And so to really be congruent with that energy and that spirit, we need to also be solid and genuine about who we are and who we are internally. And the book provides an opportunity to really sort all that out and figure out, you know, I may want to keep these things in my life, but not those things. And to sort it all out and, and get clear on what do you really want? What kind of person are you? What are you interested in doing? And then sort of stepping out from there into the external realm, which is nature and all that's around you and really connecting to it, to the energy in plants, the energy of the seasons, the energy of animals, and to, pe to feel part of it rather than a visitor to it, but part of this nature and immersed in it. And then the magical realms are all, are all those things we can't necessarily see around us. We might see symbols of those things, but those are the things that happen metaphysically. And those are the things we learn to put in motion and the things we learn to develop an intention for. And um, again, all strung along and how do you really want to do this? How do you want to go about being a living being in the natural world and the magical world? I love that. And I think that's something that everybody needs anyway right now as we're coming out of this whole like crazy pandemic and locked in thing. People probably, a lot of people don't remember who they are or forgotten who they are or they've what everybody else is telling them constantly. So whether they decide to be become a pagan, whatever that means, or a witch or not to themselves, this sounds like a book that everybody could use anyway. Um, and my little soapbox is like, is awareness of the earth. And you've got that right there again, seasons, oh, plants, definitely. animals, saving our little planet right here. So right. that's my biggest excitement about people be discovering this path and pagan path and a magical path is, is the excitement of number one, that self-empowerment, taking our power back, but number two, a responsibility for earth nature and our planet so absolutely I, I i sometimes i'm just mystified by how flippantly people treat the planet there's no plan there's no plan b or planet b um no. even the nearest planet would take multiple generations to arrive there even if we could get there it, it's like this is our one and only shot for now and yeah for people to just trash it and destroy it um, it, it's, it's, it's like stabbing your own body, you know, <laughs> what, yeah. what, what good is this going to serve to destroy the thing that provides you the ability to have a life, you know, your life. Right. So what are some things that, that you suggest to people, um, like to like take aware of in their life? Like, is there daily practices or rituals or is it an awareness thing? Like if somebody took something up out of your book going, Oh, I want to incorporate that to like see how I feel about something. I think my approach is mainly to discover how to incorporate a magical perspective into your life rather than 
you know, the familiar go to church on Sunday and forget about it on Monday versus it being part of your life all the time. And so um, we explore how to create an altar and what purposes an altar might serve. It might serve to attract a certain energy. It might serve to honor a deity or it might serve to do magical work. I talk about a very easy ritual that involves no tools at all other than your hands and your mind and it connects you to each element. It's a really grounding and centering ritual that anybody could do just before heading out the door and to keep that focus and to remind yourself that when people or events start to rattle you and throw you off step that you can return and remember, oh yes, these elements are within me and around me and um, I don't need to be pushed over like a Bobo doll. I can still stay on my feet and stay centered. <laughs> Yeah, we're a very much like mind about that. That too, I have I call them thirty second exercises, like air and fire, water. So, oh, I can't wait to read that. Um, how so? Very much is balance a big part of your stuff? Because again, what I'm seeing so much is so much is out of balance, whether in your awareness or your magical practice or what you're teaching people to kind of do or be aware of this. Because I'm sure even the elemental thing would include balancing stuff right it's definitely about balance and in fact um in my first book i i described the elements as a top so it's a ring around you like a spinning top and you're at the center with spirit so when you're out of balance everything tilts like maybe you have too much fire energy going on or too much water energy going on and and the key is learning to balance in the middle to keep that top moving so it's alive, to stay in the center, and to know that if you do, if you do need to tip your energy into, into air or fire or water, you're able to do that and able to come back to center. And um, I think balance is in everything because that's, that's really what you see in the seasons. It's what you see in the phases of the moon. There's a balance. There is um, an increase and a letting go, like an inhale and exhale. Everything um, inhales and exhales in its own way. And that also is a balance. And staying balanced in your own self and your own spirit is really where all of this begins. I love that. I love that. Um, so I noticed in your promo about it, you talk about it being like a garden. So I like that. But since we're just talking earth stuff, so what does that mean? Like a garden, like you plant it, you let it grow, you water it? Well, it's the big pagan garden because we have a familiar saying, the big pagan tent. But to me, the big pagan tent means, okay, there's walls and I can't see out and it's crowded and stuffy. I want to go outside. <laughs> I'm always <laughs> about going outside. And I, I lead you through a walk through this big pagan garden and say, you see this? Those are the roses over there. This is what they're all about. And here are, are the snapdragons over here. This is what these are all about. And we walk through all of these flower beds that are the pagan community so that each person can say, oh, I'm interested in that, but not so much that. But to give them an idea of once they have a feel for what's in this garden and where everything is, then they can later decide, you know, I really want to go learn more about daisies. The daisies really appealed to me. 
So I do use that metaphor for each of the pagan communities, the Druids, the Wiccans, um, each of them is a, a flower bed, unique in its own right, but part of a larger garden. It's all connected. I love that. I absolutely love that. And yeah, much better than a tent. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's true. So many people actually almost even already within the craft or beginning in the craft don't know I'm a witch. I don't what that what that means. The difference of a druid and a Wiccan or a Thelemic about all those things along the way. So, so you're explaining it from a very, I would assume. Again, I haven't read it yet, but I can't, can't wait to. Um, it, people expecting to know nothing about our world, and then how perfect is that? Yeah, and and I think also people may discover that hmm, maybe I do know a little bit about this world, but I just didn't have the vocabulary for it because. I have had the experience of looking up at the moon and the stars and thinking I'm connected to something larger. Or I've had the experience of standing at the ocean and saying something about this calls to my heart. Or they've had the experience of I'm going to make some special soup for my loved one who isn't feeling well and give it to them in hopes that they heal and feel better. And a lot of times people discover that oh i did know how to do that i just didn't have words for it so right it's new but some of it's also a surprise like oh i already know this so yeah and we do i i think again we've kind of lost our instincts and our intuitions what early man had whatever their belief system or religion so it's it's hopping back into that because i work with people all the time and it's like I already do that. Yeah. Then this is maybe why you do it or a way to do it along the way. So I am so excited to read this. So um, I see right for a lot of different things. You have another book out, a book already, and you have another book in the works. So tell people some of this about what you do. What is your, you have a book, um, a horse spirit book? Right. So my pagan writing life began with, um, writing a book about the symbology of horses magically, how to embrace horse spirit and horse magic in, in doing ritual and, and in organizing your mind the way you want to, if you want to achieve something, you want to learn something. And it, it, it revolves around the horses as elements. Each element mm. is a certain type of horse. The, the earth horse is the big draft horse. It does the work. So when you're needing to get a job done, you call upon the energy of the earth horse. The earth horse will move mountains. Or maybe you need to plan a strategy. You have a, a big complicated project. You call upon the air horse. Well, the air horse is the race horse and the jumper. It moves quickly. It follows a course. It goes from point A to point B. It plans the strategy. It sticks to the course and flies over hurdles. And then you have the fire horse, which is the quick, fast cutting horse, fiery red that can cut through a problem and face down a steer and give you courage and to move on when you think something's impossible. They're the police horses and um, the horses that used to haul the fire trucks. They'll go into a dangerous situation and keep moving. And then other situations, you may be wanting to do something that requires patience and grace. 
and you may want to learn to dance or play the piano and that doesn't happen in a day and you think how am i having this patience well then you call upon the water horse which is the graceful dressage horse that you see in the olympics that does ballet seeming to do impossible things and float on air and then at the center because this is all an elemental balance you have spirit horse which is the white horse and in mythology and magic the white horse is just ubiquitous it it's there's a beginning of a celtic creation myth that the very first being to step onto the earth was um, a white mare and her name was ioka and from there the celtic um, lineage springs from her and so um, when you're needing to be your own self and you're needing not to be buffeted about by people or events you stick with your spirit horse who says, no, we're calm. We're in the middle. We're purely ourselves. So I've, uh, the, the horses are just a really big deal to me. The other thing is horses in the tarot are very interesting because only the knights have horses as well as the sun card, the death card, and the six of sword, six of rods rather. All of the horses are doing something. So in the tarot, when a horse card comes up, or if you want to use a horse card magically, it's movement, it's purpose. And just as the elemental horses are different, the horses of the tarot are different. Each one is different. And, uh, and it also goes on to describe, after you get through the magical properties of horses, um, if you want to have a real horse in your life. So there are two paths in this book. You can incorporate horses magically or set out to have a, an equine companion of your own. And it's, it's also a gateway book, just like Pagan Curious. For those who think, I don't know anything about this, I can't possibly do this, to say, well, wait a minute, you can do this. There are ways to go about doing this. And for me, having a horse in my life, late in life, was transformative. That's, that's wow. that horse, that horse gave me my writing book career. It begins with him. And then came the next book and now comes the third book. But um, wow. I could go on and on and on. About <laughs> yeah, I love that. And you're just, it was one of those light bulb moments, how you explained the elements into the horses and how we know horses and the power of horses. Because I've always seen horses as messengers. I've always seen horses as so much. And I just, I, I need to read that book too. Um, and what a great way to explain the elementals of things. That, that's fabulous. You okay, so really what's your next? I, yeah, go on. I, I was going to say, you could really get a solid feel for the elements more so i think from the horse spirit book than pagan curious because it's just an immersion in horses yeah. as elements and horses through civilization have changed literally changed the course of civilization and changed the terrain that we know their the kingdoms were made because of horses so what they did for humanity they can do for you spiritually and magically so i, I could do a whole hour just on horses <laughs> Well, we're just going to have to have you back because <laughs> okay. I, I'm loving, I love horses. Not so great on them, I've, but I love them. I do. I was actually, I was just in Ireland and I was a beautiful white stallion and I had this beautiful little relationship. So I'm just now horse curious. Hmm. <laughs> horse curious. There horse curious. Um, so what is the book you're working on? 
The third book is called Sacred Massage, The Magic mm -hmm. of Soothing Touch. And this is also inspired by real things in my real life. I've been a massage therapist for more than 20 years. And I, I noticed in particular when COVID hit, people were having a lot of trouble getting to a massage therapist and people were feeling very stressed and very isolated. And you might be able to interact with your loved one and no one else at one point in this whole pandemic. But it started me thinking about all the situations where a loved one could benefit from your healing touch. Um, someone who's in a rest home, someone who's elderly, someone who's injured or sick or a child or a spouse, or just because it's, it's a loving way to bond with a loved one or friend. And it's something you can learn to give and receive. And book number three is also a gateway book. It assumes if you have no experience, that you have the ability to learn to do these things. And I take you right through that. <laughs> I love it. Gateway book series. So um, I, I'm just, I'm still stuck in horses, but I love the massage book <laughs> idea. And and it's true because we were stuck in the house. My husband, um, he had a lot of like back surgery like that. So I do have to give a massage. I would love somebody giving me guidance sometime, and especially to add a healing or magical element to it. So I think you have something there, my friend. <laughs> I think you yeah, definitely. We, I teach people how to do the entire massage as a magical ritual, including casting the circle, inviting the elements, doing your implementation, um, doing your manifestation. But a lot of the work is done internally. So the person you're working on may only feel you placing your hands and breathing. So there's a way that the massage and ritual parallel each other. They both ground and center. They mm -hmm. both have a beginning, middle and end. They both have an intention. So it, it is a magical process. I love that. <laughs> so thank you. So what do you think um, on all this, on our world, on the, the pagan world, what do you think people is biggest misconceptions? So you're looking to people who don't know the pagan curious, they're all gateway books. What do you think people's biggest misconception is about paganism itself or witchcraft or? The biggest misconception I think is actually fear. People have been taught to fear the pagan community. They've been taught all sorts of stereotypes and just straight out misinformation. And the prejudice against the pagan world has just so infiltrated history and culture. And it's, it's really hard to get anyone to let go of that fear for a minute and just look at it. Like, just let the fear drop like a veil and just look, look at the crystal, look at the practice. Um, a good example is the pentacle. And for some people, that symbol just strikes fear in their heart. That symbol is the devil, yeah. but it's not. It's, it's the point of the body. It's protective. It's, it's an ancient protective symbol that predates Christianity, you know? So busting through all of that fear and stereotype is the biggest thing. And one of the reasons I wrote the book the way I did is because people who are, are curious, like they pass a metaphysical shop and maybe they peek in, but it's like, oh, I don't know what all these things are. They And they take one look at a pentacle and go, nope, nope, nope. That's scary stuff. Yeah. 
those are the people I'm really reaching out to because um, there's no need to be so afraid. But on the other hand, people that are that fearful and have had a lifetime of hearing uh, stereotypes and lies about the pagan community are just not going to pick up a book on basic witchcraft. They just won't. They'll see the word witchcraft and go, nope, nope, too scary. Yeah. And so even though there's so many great books on introductory witchcraft and witchcraft 101, so many of them, there's this whole segment of the population that won't pick the book up because it says witch in the title. And, um, but they might pick up this one. So, you know, and, and we spend some time I, it, farther in the magical realm section, I start to defang that word, you know, well, what does witch mean? You know, does that mean, you know, boil, boil, toil and trouble by the, <laughs> by the cauldron? Is it, is it, I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too? You know, what does that mean to you? And I desensitize people to realize that the witch might be your coworker, it might be your neighbor, it might be the grocery store clerk. Witches are just people. They're just, just people. people that live life a certain way and view life a certain way. And this whole idea that they're evil or that they worship the devil, this is this is all kind of Hollywood and stereotype. And here's the real story. And it's a desensitization to the to the fear. Yeah. Yeah, and Hollywood has done a lot. I mean, history, storytelling, way pre-Hollywood, but it certainly has, yes. Yes, we worship yeah. the devil, we eat babies. I often start out going, I don't eat babies. <laughs> well, only maybe with some sriracha sauce. Yeah, yeah, only on a second <laughs> Tuesday, but we won't get into yeah. details. <laughs> oh, I mean, honestly, I think we are the least scary people because we are on the line what we are we take responsibility for ourselves i i you know? find exactly the same you go to a pagan festival these are the happiest most um peaceful bunch of people you could ever hope to meet there's not a lot of confrontation and things to be i mean it's dancing and music and and yeah. beautiful sparkly things and wonderful conversations and you know one of the basic tenets of of witchcraft is harm none. Yeah. I mean, that's like one of the basic basics, you know, um, do as you will and harm none, um, which I interpret as make your will to do your decisions, to make, to do what you want to do, but don't harm anyone in the process, including yourself. And so a spirituality that's based on non-harm is certainly a lot less frightening than a lot of the other spiritualities out there, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I I don't think you find a lot of pagans lining up to start wars and all sorts. In the of name things. of God, or in the name of God, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's very peaceful, and um, I I'd like people to just give it a chance and, and discover that oh, you know, it's it's not so bad. It's actually lovely. <laughs> So this might be, yeah, this is, I, I'm very excited about this. I'm sure my people are going to be very excited about this because who knows? So again, some of the people who, um, my regular listeners are beautiful. I have from just new pagan curious themselves, just kind of discovering what is this to all practitioners are born doing it, but everybody might know somebody who asks them about, 
well, what is this weird thing you do, neighbor, you know, grocery clerk of mine? And Pagan Curious, here you go. So I think you're filling a really much needed market. Um, but I still want to know more about the horses. So I'm just going to have to have you come back and talk about the horses. Will you do that another time? Oh, I absolutely will. <laughs> okay, so so tell everybody about where they can find you if they want to know more about you, um, any websites, social media, where, where they can get your books. <laughs> okay, my website is DebraDiAngelo.com, and I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, I have double accounts on Facebook and uh Instagram, uh, you'll find me as Garden Variety Pagan here and there. I I have before going into writing in the pagan world, I was in the newspaper world writing columns for a long, long, long time, and it, it felt like a really hard right turn to get from political commentary to the pagan world. So I have two now. We're easing into the other. So you can find mm -hmm. me on those sites. My books are at Llewellyn.com and Amazon and hopefully a metaphysical store near you. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Look her up, follow her, find her on social media. I'm going to and uh, get these gateway books. So thank you, Deborah. Thank you so much for coming on and bringing your magic to the witching hour. Thank you for having me. It was just joyful. Uh -huh.